so undone by uh, by your love. I felt a lot of love over the last couple months from you guys, and I uh, I ended up opening up the Bible to uh, <clears throat> John chapter one, and I was reading out of the the Passion translation, and it was just after I had shoulder surgery. It's like four days after I had shoulder surgery. And honestly, I was pretty depressed. Uh, I was in a low spot. And uh, and uh, anyway, I start reading through John chapter 1 in this Passion Translation. And instead of saying, uh, um, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, this translation says, in the beginning, the living, uh, the living expression of God was face to face with God. And then uh, it goes on to say that this living expression of God breaks through the gloom. And I, I didn't even realize I was gloomy <laughs> until I read that, and it was just broken. And the Fender Jaguars also break through the gloom. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I really feel so, so, so honored. Um, so this morning I was, uh, I was driving before uh, the sunrise to St. Arbucks to uh, <clears throat> one of the holiest churches. And I, uh, I wanted to put together my thoughts on, um, on Palm, Palm Sunday. And um, as I was uh, driving... Uh, west on 635, I saw the sun was just about to come up over the horizon behind me in my rearview mirror. And I just, uh, I remembered uh, my friends from Rockwall, uh, you know, Tom Ledbetter and Eastgate Church. And I began to pray for, you know, East Dallas. And then I saw that the sun kind of peaked up high enough to light up all the buildings in Dallas. And I began to pray for um, uh, West Dallas. And and North Dallas, and, and I just felt, um, I felt the expectancy and excitement of the Lord that He's about to do something in our city. And um, it was as if Dallas was about to welcome the Lord, kind of like Jerusalem did on Palm Sunday. I felt, um, I felt the Lord's excitement. And um, as I was at Starbucks, I, uh, I basically, I had my computer out and I wrote out, you know, uh, palm branches and, and I looked up from my computer. You got that picture ready? I looked up from my computer and I was sitting in my favorite seat at Starbucks and there's right above me was that palm tree. I'd never noticed before until I wrote out, you can see highlight, you know, waving palm branches. And it was just like the Lord was saying, good morning, Jeremy. I'm alive and speaking, and uh, I was reminded of my, my good friend, uh, Charles Horning, who said, uh, if you have eyes to see, the whole world will prophesy to you, everywhere you look. And that was my uh, good morning from the Lord. So on Palm Sunday, Christians celebrate this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem a few days before his death 
and resurrection. And for many churches, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of what's called Holy Week, uh, which concludes on Easter Sunday. And throughout Holy Week, people are remembering uh, what Jesus did and the events leading up to that cross, death, burial, and resurrection. And so there's Holy Thursday, which you know represents where people are remembering the Last Supper. There's Good Friday, where we're remembering the crucifixion. And of course, Easter Sunday, which is resurrection, because we do not serve a God of death, but a God of resurrection. He's not interested in killing anyone, unless he's going to raise you. (laughs) Um, So people are remembering Jesus all over the world, with uh, communion and Eucharist, or they're the same thing, Uh, Seder dinners, foot washings, and traditional songs. And this is the week that the world was redeemed to relationship with God. And it's a week for many people throughout the world to be redeemed to relationship with God. I want to read from an ancient manuscript, and uh, this is what it says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Rejoice, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Have you guys ever noticed that the Bible is notorious for extreme foreshadowing? I mean, it's like over-the-top hint-dropping, a.k.a. prophecy. (laughs) I mean, even in in the first chapter of the book, it pretty much gives away the whole plot line of human history, if you have eyes to see. And then it just reiterates it again and again and again, this this theme throughout all the first half of the book, a.k.a. Old Testament. I mean, if, if the Bible was turned into a TV show, it would not survive on Fox, because it is nothing like Lost. No one should be getting lost. There are so many just ridiculous prophecies that are completely confirmed and fulfilled. And uh, this is one of them. It talks about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey of all things. The king of the universe doesn't sit up on an ordained elephant or a beautiful camel, but a lowly donkey. And you, you come to Luke 19, where it says... Um, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem. Another, uh, one of the Gospels says that he sets his face like flint to Jerusalem, or resolutely sets his direction and his face to Jerusalem where he knows what is going to happen to him and through him. As he was getting near uh, Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead. And he told them, go into the next village, and there you're going to find a young donkey that's never been ridden. Untie the donkey and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing that, just say, the Lord needs it. This is like the ultimate commandeering of a vehicle from any cop show ever. They went off, they found the donkey, just as Jesus had said. And while they were untying the donkey, the owners asked, why are you doing that? Really, they're like, what in the world are you doing with my donkey? (laughs) They're not not like, why dost thou do that, brother? Like, get away from my donkey. You know, if someone is stealing your car and says, the Lord needs it, you're like, (laughs) 
But anyway, they, uh, the disciples answered and said, the Lord needs it. And I guess that was enough. They just they felt the importance of the moment. So they led the donkey to Jesus, put some of their cloaks on its back, and helped Jesus get on it. As he rode along, the people spread clothing on the road in front of him. When, uh, when Jesus was starting down the Mount of Olives, a large crowd of disciples, his large crowd of disciples were happy and praised God because of all the miracles they had seen. So the people begin to greet Jesus enthusiastically, and they're waving palm branches, and they're covering uh, his path with uh, their clothes, like cloaks and palm branches. And the crowds that went on ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, make your disciples stop shouting that. But Jesus answered, If they keep quiet, these stones are going to start shouting. Wouldn't that have been cool to see? Just rocks. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's like big boulders. Blessed is he. <clears throat> <laughs> Sometimes you should take the Bible literally. It's pretty fun. Uh, <clears throat> so the Lord told me this morning to uh, tell the story of three people who were main players or important players in uh, the end of Jesus's life before his death and resurrection. And uh, the first important player is the donkey. Specifically, a donkey upon which no one has ridden. In other words, uh, the, the Lord is looking for people who have a spot reserved only for him. That a people who know that they were made to carry one king and one king into a city. This is what the Lord is looking for. It also means uh, this donkey has not yet been used. This donkey hasn't been on any adventures, and this donkey has been waiting. This donkey has been prepared by God for a moment when the king would jump on top of him. And this donkey had the honor of carrying the Lord. And uh, I imagine at the end of the day, the donkey didn't go back to the stables and say to the other barnyard creatures, man, you should have heard all of Jerusalem singing about my donkey glory today <laughs> as I was just walking into Jerusalem. <laughs> no, uh, he obviously knew that they weren't singing his praises, but he had the honor of carrying the Lord into a city, walking on the cloaks of praise. He actually got to witness a moment where he would be used by God like no other donkey in all of history. And he got to hear an entire city praising the only one who is worthy. See, there's going to be a moment when we're going to be honored like that. And we're going to carry the Lord in such a way that we're going to know that he is the one worthy, that he is the king who is made to be carried in our hearts, and we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Um, do you have that picture of uh, the donkey? I, guess I wanted to show you guys the donkey. <laughs> no, not that one, not that one, the other one, the other donkey. <laughs> All donkeys have a cross on their back. Do you guys know that? That's some extreme foreshadowing in nature right there. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, pretty much the, the next day, uh, Jesus is, uh, let me just read this out of Matthew 26. He, he goes to a, to a dinner at this guy's house named Simon. Um, when Jesus had finished, this is Matthew 26, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over and crucified. Again, super spoiler alert. Like, wake up, disciples. I'm just going to lay it out for you. I'm going to be betrayed and crucified and rise rise again. They're like, huh? We (laughs) know. And they're they're always asking, what does he mean by this? So in uh, verse 6, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it on his head. And we know that this is Mary of Bethany from parallel verses in the other Gospels. So Mary uh, pours this expensive alabaster jar of perfume all over Jesus. The disciples were indignant. Okay, this was socially awkward, uninvited worship. Okay, this is the moment when someone loses their stuff in the middle of high praise, and they just start, like, jumping across the, pray, the, the stage, and we're like, that's, what's, okay, like, pre- yeah. And so Mary is in this moment where she's overcome with the moment, and she just bursts in the room and pours out what's worth a year's wages, on Jesus, the disciples were indignant and said, why this waste? It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, don't criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me. The poor you will always have among you, but you won't always have me. She's poured this perfume to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Like today, the Lord is still honoring this woman for pouring out her life on the Lord. And when she did so, this religious spirit jumped up. This spirit, this ritualistic spirit This spirit that looks for the good things, but not the great things. Looks for the good things, but not the one thing. See, this spirit actually said something good. You could have sold this perfume and fed the poor. We could have started our homeless ministry. But you just wasted it in worship. See, that. That is, that is actually a twisting where we're trying to elevate a good idea above a God idea. And that's what the religious spirit will do. But Mary showed more freedom and extravagance. And she was honored by the Lord. 
And it was so powerful. This moment of praise was so powerful. That was the moment Judas busted out of the room and, and betrayed Jesus. It was that very moment. Judas left and was like, I can't do it anymore. This is ridiculous. All the disciples were embarrassed, but she didn't care. She's a wonder, so they might stare. But she's in love and she just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so um, right after that, Judas uh, betrays Jesus. There's the Last Supper. They go to the garden. It's the famous scene where Jesus is praying in the garden and sweats out blood. Um, uh, he, he's arrested in that moment and his disciples are scattered. Everyone deserts him. And the same city that was shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, a few days later was shouting crucify, crucify, crucify the very same town that was praising this lowly king riding on a donkey was now demanding his death because he didn't look like what they expected. In fact, his first day, he went into the temple and turned tables. Remember that scene? He busted in there and saw them. They had turned uh, the temple into something it wasn't supposed to be, a marketplace where there were, you know, Anyway, and he turns the tables and said, you've made what was supposed to be a house of prayer to my God into a den of robbers. And then suddenly they're like, maybe this isn't the king who we thought. And he's condemned to die. And as uh, Jesus is carrying his cross, he's... um, He was beaten so badly, he wasn't able to actually make that walk up to Golgotha. And along the way, there just happened to be a man standing there named Simon. And, uh, and you know, you know the story that the guards grab Simon and force him to help Jesus carry his cross. And... um, you guys realize how lowly of a moment this is for the king of the universe. This is the very word of God that spoke timber and human into existence. And now he is being crushed under the weight of the tree that he made and assisted by the man he created. He spoke the very molecules and atoms into existence into that tree that was cut down and prepared for him to die on. And now he's so broken and beaten and weak that he can't carry it himself. What makes us think that we can carry our own cross when Jesus couldn't carry his? We need each other. So Jesus is deserted and he's on that cross. The only people there are a bunch of Marys. Hi, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) And John, of course. Hey, John. <clears throat> Jesus is in unimaginable pain. He's, uh, he has become sin. He's carrying the full weight of the curse. Uh, he is carrying the full weight of all of our accusation and hatred towards God. And he's been completely deserted. And he hears uh, the accuser saying, why this waste? 
Jesus, why are you pouring out your blood like that? Your life could have meant something more. You could have spent the next 40 years being the greatest motivational preacher the world has ever seen. You could have written books and gone on mission trips. You could have explained to people how to walk on water, multiply food and turn water into wine. Why this waste? Why are you dying now for these people that hate you? Why this waste? And as he's alone on that cross, the father is with him and he smells something. The fragrance of Mary's love is still evaporating from his flesh and he's reminded why he's hanging there and he is strengthened by her worship and he remembers what he's doing in that moment and he remembers how Mary had the same question asked of her, why this waste? We've sing, sung songs about the fragrance of the Lord. I love the fragrance of your name, O Lord. You know the fragrance of the Lord is? It's Mary's perfume. To this very day when he shows up in the room, he smells like that woman's worship. He smells like Mary. He sits on David's throne. He drinks from Jacob's well. His cross was carried by Simon and he rode on a lowly donkey. So this is the tale of Mary, whose name used to mean bitter. Simon, whose name means once heard from God. And the donkey, the stubborn mule who's never yet been used by God. These were the days when God was carried by man and beast. So I want you guys to know that whether you are bitter, whether you've once heard from God but haven't heard from him in a long time, or maybe you're just a dumb, stubborn mule who's never been out of the stable, God is coming. An encounter is coming, and God's going to use you, and God is going to honor you. And I want you guys to know that we are set aside for his use and his purpose. We have a cross on our back. When, it, when we get to the point where we say, God, I just want to carry you like a donkey, we're marked with that same cross. We were made for it. So this week, um, I want you to look for... Let me say it like this. Don't miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular. God is going to be in the small things, whispering to you of his presence and his goodness throughout this week. This is a week for us to remember uh, what Jesus has done for us. So, Lord, we say that we're set aside for your use. And, Lord, we say that we welcome you into our city. And, Father, we... We are just believing that Dallas will not be like Jerusalem in that day and recoil when we are surprised by what it looks like when you do come into our city. Jesus, that Dallas is going to be a praise on the earth. And Father, we welcome you to turn over tables and to say the hard things that we need to hear. And Lord, we consecrate ourselves to you this week for your use and your glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen.